shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, once again, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm Chris. He's Kelly. And this is the only show that takes you Inside EMS. Kelly, come on in here and let's get this show rolling. How you doing this week? Oh, man, I'm just capital. Just wrapped up my uh, my last chance paramedic refresher yesterday. <sighs> load off my mind yeah was it uh i mean so this is still the online thing right uh, it's it's hybrid we yeah. do uh we do most of the stuff uh online self-study and then there are two uh knowledge integration days where we kind of put everything together and we we cover the the live training requirements for national continued competency program are you getting into the niche i mean are you are you uh, adjusting to it well i know in the beginning you had a little bit of transition challenge as you were going from yeah. the platform to the hybrid and how's it working out for you now? It's, it's working well. I'm, I'm discovering what works on a, on a webcast and what works online as far as formatting and, and interaction and what doesn't. And, uh, the, the only uh, thing that has proven problematic is it takes me a great deal longer to produce a standalone CBT, uh, than it does just to, to do a, a conference lecture. For example, you know, when you have to build in that level of interaction and, and make it entertaining and and uh, and not stultifyingly boring, it, it takes a lot takes a lot longer. I can take a I can take a subject, any given subject that I'm I'm fairly knowledgeable about, do a little bit of research, and I can bang out a, a conference lecture in, in an hour and a half, two hours, you know, gussy it up. At most, I'll maybe spend four or five hours on it, but. Putting together a narrated CBT and all the the plugins and stuff, it takes about twenty hours to do a decent one. Yeah, I bet, man. That sounds like it'd be challenging. So, yeah, yeah I think we got a really great topic to chat about today, and, I, yeah. and this really comes from Kelly. Uh, I was chatting with somebody the other day, and we were talking about uh, you know uh, EMS as a career field, EMS as yeah. uh, people that uh, you know invest their time in. So, I think I want to start mm-hmm. off the show by asking you this question. Is EMS, in your opinion, is EMS a career field or is EMS a stepping stone? I think EMS is a career field, but we, we have way too many people in it uh, who regard it as a step, stepping stone or uh, as a necessary evil to do some other job. Uh, and it's a shame that it is that way, but yeah, it's uh, for many of us, it's a career field, but but there's a, there's a, a noticeable uh, population that, that aren't. Uh, invested in EMS as a career. It's just something, it's a placeholder so they can find something better. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I agree as well, you know, and it's it's been the old question for a long time, and as I had this discussion this week, you know, it, it, I think we all have a unique story of how we got into EMS, and mm-hmm. you know, we're not doing this because we're banking the dead presidents yeah. and buying the mansions and buying the yachts. I mean, we're doing it because of a passion. Yeah. We're doing it because of a love some of us are doing it because we're waiting. You know, we're yeah, waiting. It was get... supposed. It was supposed to be a stepping stone for me. Was it really? Yeah. What were yeah. we going to do? Uh, I was well. I, I was going to get into nursing, um, but all the uh, all the nursing classes at the community college were full, and there was an eighteen month waiting list. So uh, they registrar suggested I enroll in this thing called emergency medical technician while I was waiting to get in the nursing program. And uh, I, I kind of stuck here. 
You know, a lot of people have that story as well. I mean, there are people who come into the career field as they wait for other things and they and they wind up staying because they didn't know the impact that it made. But but I really want to touch on the people that are waiting for something better, and that may be better of going to a bigger EMS agency, that mm-hmm. may be better of going to a fire department position, that may be better of going to medical school, nursing school, or any other school. I mean, we we've had a lot of those people in our career field that have kind of transitioned to the the next phase. And I think as a career field, we really want to help people grow into different Uh uh, areas. But I think the challenge that I have with it is how many people waste their time while they're in EMS waiting. And I really like to bring some focus to that today. We, We need to put a little bit more effort into the success of EMS. And if we're waiting you know, to maybe get into a dream job or a dream position with a fire department or whatever it is, what are we doing to make EMS better in the wait? And uh, I have a really, I got to say, I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves about our career field is that people just don't take the dedication and commitment into making this something that uh, they can leave better than they found it. Well, uh, yeah, my pet peeve as well. Uh, way too many people marking time in the profession, and and they're not interested in becoming a steward of the profession and shaping how it will go and and what it will be in the future, uh, and passing on our traditions and 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 knowledge and and uh, helping us debunk and discard some of the uh, non-productive traditions and knowledge. But uh, that's a two-sided. That's a two-sided coin because quite often uh, the agencies they're employed with and the, the supervisors and the administrators they work for um, kind of attract that workforce. That's all they expect. That's all they want. Uh, and, and their business model or their administrative and, and leadership style is built around that. Um, they, well, what, they, do you mean, they kinda, what do you mean by that? Because I, I think this is a great point that I, I want to go ahead and touch on. So what do you mean by that they're, they're per- creating that? Um, well, you see so many EMS agencies that, that are interested in one thing, a card and meet in the seat. That's it. Turn in your billing tickets on time uh, with, with as few errors as possible. Show up with the boots shined uh, and don't get any complaints uh, and, keep, and be a, a willing cog in the wheel and don't, don't make waves. Uh, and, and you can retire at most EMS agencies without ever having been a good paramedic uh, or a uh, um, uh, you know stellar in your career field, uh, mediocrity is accepted. Right. Um, uh, and not and and Nancy has a has a, a saying she's fond of. She says acceptance is teaching, uh, and if you accept mediocrity, uh, mediocrity is what you get, and that becomes the expected norm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if you if you expect excellence, uh, mediocrity tends to to fall by the wayside, and and you attract better people. Um, and and that sort of that sort of zeal uh, breeds uh, breeds success and, and it builds on itself. You know, it's a, the culture you foster within your agency. Um, and I think you find that that the the really uh, well run EMS agencies have a great deal of career stability uh, and, and very little employee turnover. Uh, and the people that do leave those agencies and do leave EMS. Uh, for other professions, PA, nursing school, medical school, that sort of thing, leave it not as having abandoned EMS, but 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 they're our 
they're our advocates for the other healthcare professions that they're getting into, um, which is the way it should be, but uh, it's so rarely the case. Some people just, just ditch EMS for something better. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of went there because this is actually one of the things that I wanted to bring up as well. Because I get this, I get this question all the time, especially when I talk about leadership. So I, I, I want to kind of preface it before I go into my answer. And people will always say to me, you know, Chris, what, what, you know, you talk about leadership and you talk about how leaders should act, and 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 we have really poor leaders that don't really care about us. They're egotistical. Uh, um, you know, the, they don't give us the equipment to do our job. They don't listen yep. to our ideas. What, what do I do? And, you know, if I don't have that support from my leaders, what do I do? And, and this is going to kind of dovetail into what you were just saying. And I tell them the same thing. You don't allow anybody to dictate your professionalism for, for you. So if you're not getting support you need from your leaders, which is a total shame uh, and something that I think that should be happening, and, and that just goes to the, you know, to the definition of poor leadership, don't allow that to dictate your behavior as a professional and i want to go back to exactly what you said because if you're waiting to get on the fire department if you're waiting to get into medical school if you're waiting to get into nursing school and you're just coming to work to get a a paycheck and wait and your uniform is is wrinkled and your ambulances are never clean and you're given poor patient care you are now precipitating the problem of creating a poor organization and you got to remember something that when you apply for that fire department that fire department is calling me as the ems leader to say hey tell me about kelly grayson and how he works well i'm going to tell you that he he wears his uniform poorly he comes to he doesn't come to work on time he doesn't like to follow policies and uh, i don't think he's going to be a good employee for you so i mean how how is it that people forget that or, or they're allowing the situation to dictate unprofessional behavior. Well, I, I think that that sort of behavior and that sort of uh, that sort of thing is is a personality trait that those people are going to bring to the their new profession. Uh, they're going to leave EMS and and they don't fundamentally change when they get into the fire department, when they get into nursing school, when they get into medical school or PA school, uh, they're going to be mediocre in that as well, because there is no such thing as a perfect job in your dream, your dream occupation. All of them have some drawbacks. What's, uh, at, you know, some things that you don't like about them that you don't agree with, uh, and things you wish you could change. If apathy and, and, uh, half-assery are the things that you, uh, practice, in EMS, you're eventually going to bring those into whatever profession that you stepped to. Uh, I, I really, uh, I really believe that. So On the think, other hand, go ahead. So you think more? It's a, more of a character flaw than it is just a, oh, yeah. uh, than it is just a behavior or just a, a, a I don't care attitude while I'm waiting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and you know. Uh, if we attracted people to EMS based on realistic expectations uh, and and recruited those people specifically, uh, I think we'd have much more success. You've heard me say this time and time again, uh, but part of this apathy and, and this placeholder attitude or, hey, I'm just in it until I can get something better is is the a little bit of burnout and disillusionment because EMS wasn't what they thought it would be. Uh, until they got into it and now they're just they're they're holding out for something better and they're not going to invest any any effort or time into to uh being the best at it 
you know, Sean, Sean Eddy, our, our friend Sean Eddy had a had an excellent point in the conference lecture uh, uh, this past summer. He said, uh, your personal standards should always be higher than your employers. Uh, the problem is, is there are quite a few employers out there who uh, you can have piss poor personal standards uh, and they're still higher than your employers. <laughs> uh, they don't demand that sort of that that sort of excellence. Um, and you know, we, it's, it's sad that the barrier to entry into EMS in general is so low, uh, that we don't weed more of those people out, but it is what it is. Uh, I think all we can do is, is try to be the, the, uh, absolute best that we can be. Um, and, uh, if we happen to move on, then we, we can move on with our head held high, uh, knowing that we gave EMS everything that we could and, and, uh, uh, left our stamp on it when we left. Yeah, I agree with you. So one of the things you said was we're recruiting with uh, unrealistic expectations. What, mm -hmm. what, what did you mean by that? What, what are unrealistic about? Uh, we, we don't save lives. It's all, not all glamour and life-saving and, and, and uh, women fawning over you because you're such a, a studly hero. Um, and it's not all lights and sirens. In fact, it's very little lights and sirens. And, and we the times we use them are mostly inappropriate uh, and the chances we get to actually save a life are few and far between. It's a bunch of crap that we sell to adrenaline junkies and kids uh, and we emphasize the 1% glamour and, and hero aspect of our profession and ignore uh, the 99% of the rest of those calls. But, but it's not to say that the 99% of the rest of EMS is unattractive. We just don't highlight that attractiveness. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, we, we recruit people that look for that 1% of the, the calls where you actually get an adrenaline rush or feel great. Uh, and if that's all you're looking for, well, then the other 99% is going to be pretty damn unsatisfying. Uh, but there are plenty of people out there that, that will thrive in the other 99%. Yeah, because you can get that adrenaline rush with a, uh, a double shot of espresso and a Red Bull. I can get that adrenaline rush by just doing a good job of of whatever it is I'm trying to do. Um, uh, you know, when I was a, a new EMT, I could get that adrenaline rush by getting the tough tube. Now, I'm probably better at intubating than I ever have been in my career, and I get the same adrenaline rush by telling myself, hey, I managed to, to turn that guy around without getting a tube. Right. Um, my adrenaline I, I rush comes from talking yeah. to you. Oh, yeah. You, well, you, you make my turkey perky, too. Well, there you go. But here's one of the things that I used to tell. Here's one of the things that I used to tell people before they went into the field after training. They had to meet with me and I yeah. gave them my, you know, my philosophy of EMS and my expectations and so on and so forth. And I usually ended it by saying this to them that now you may want to go to a fire department or you may want to go to medical school. Or you may want to go to nursing school. What I will tell you is don't waste your time while you're here. I mean, how is it going to look on a medical school application that you were involved in research with our department? Or how is it going to look on a fire department application to a fire chief that you were involved in the CQI process or teaching while you were in this position? I think the thing that we really have to get across to the people are out there is that you're developing your legacy. You're developing your reputation. You know, one of the things that I share with people, Kelly, is that usually when we pass on and go on to wherever it is we're going. And, and I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell, but I do know that I'm probably going to have to connect to Atlanta to do it because it seems that everything's connected. <laughs> but, but the point I'm trying to make is that 
usually when someone moves on uh, and passes on, we usually describe them in one sentence. You know, that Kelly Grayson, man, he was a great educator and, you know, he, he knew how to tell a story, you know, or, or whatever it is. So if we think about that, when we define someone after their life, it usually defines as one sentence. What's the one sentence that's going to define you? And I think we write our autobiography and we, and we define our legacy every day. And one of the yeah. things that I want to really, you know, get across to the folks that are listening out there is what is your legacy? What is your story? What is going to be told about you about your EMS career? And uh, I just don't know that the folks out there are really putting, um, I don't know, due diligence into making that happen. I just, uh, I think it's uh, a great deal of it is lack of perspective. Uh, and I think sometimes you have to go through burnout and push beyond it uh, to that rejuvenation phase before you get that perspective and, and able to see EMS for, for uh, what it is and have a, a start to see the joy in, in EMS that, that may have escaped your attention before. Um, and it's, uh, you know, because no, no, good war story begins with so there I was at the desk uh, you know we, we we're uh, front row spectators to uh, and participants in, in uh, the bloody spectacle of life uh, and all its good and bad things uh, and we how many people have to watch the action thunder by stuck at a desk or watching it out a window or on TV and we're in it um, you get your your chance in EMS to uh, to contribute your unique stitch to the tapestry of human existence, and we need to we need to emphasize the the honor and the uh, the privilege of that. But when you're stuck doing your fifteenth dialysis transfer of the day, uh, or you're doing your your uh, overdose at three a.m. Uh, on the guy that you've taken three times this week already, and uh, you don't get any attaboys or pats on the back, and what interaction you do have with your superiors is usually negative because uh, you provided excellent care, but you forgot to get a signature for something. That sort of stuff wears on you, and it's hard to see those other things uh, that that uh, are the beauty of EMS. Um, you can't see the forest for the trees. So, eh, you know, some people, uh, I won't judge them so harshly if they if they're going through the motions uh, because uh, I, I think what we do to people in this career field quite often uh, brings that about. We, we crush our, our people and uh, um, give them unrealistic expectations and then don't nurture them and mentor them uh, properly. And, and it's no wonder that they become bitter and disillusioned and look for something else. Yeah, but I think that those things really, again, they define really your character. They define your uh, commitment. They define your professionalism. And regardless if it's the, you know, the, you know, the overdose that you've taken three times or the fifteenth dialysis mm-hmm. patient, it really defines who you are as a person. If you're if you're kicking those by the wayside. So here's what I like yeah. to do, Kelly. Well, well, let me let me let me flip. Let me let me ask one thing of you. Go back to a time before EMS. You might have been a teenager, your first job, or, or pick that one job you absolutely hated. Was there not any point during your career or during your, your tenure at that job where you just hated it so much that you were just ready to be out and you didn't do your absolute best? You did enough to keep people off your back, but you didn't do the best job you could do in your heart of hearts. You knew that. Um You've never had a, a, a situation like that? You've never been in that situation? Well, I have been in that situation. 
I've been, we all that, I've been in that situation in EMS. But, yeah. here, but here's the point that I'm trying to make is no one ever talked to me about my own character and my own professionalism and my own dedication. You know, uh, I, I fell into the egotism uh, monster in EMS just like uh, a lot of us do. And But one of the things that I, I really wanted to bring forward with this show or this topic was that it, it, it's, it's selling yourself short. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really want to do is is maybe we go back and forth on a, uh, a a tip thing. So if we think about some tips that we can give to people who are waiting for their next big thing in our career field, maybe you give them one, I give them one, we kind of go back and forth on that and uh, give them a tip on what professionalism defines as or how you should act while you're waiting for that next big thing. So uh, I'll go ahead and go first and give you an opportunity to think about it because this is something that I okay. would always talk about with, uh, you know, with the workforce. The first thing is you have to be able to work within your realm of values. So if you believe in, in uh, 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 honesty, if you believe in uh, um, you know, professionalism, if you believe you've got to be able to carry yourself that way. And I go back to the comment I made about uh, you're writing your, your autobiography every day and what is it going to say about you? And if you allow others or if you allow the position or if you allow the overdose or the dialysis patient to define you, then I think what you're going to do is you're going to put yourself in a hole that's going to take you years to get out of when you really should be starting from a springboard rather than a negative. Yeah, I agree with that, and and my tip would be the the same one that that Sean Eddy espoused earlier uh, that I uh, referred to. Uh, Your standards should always be higher than your employer's. Your standards should always be higher than your peers. Uh, If you adhere to that, then no amount of job dissatisfaction or the crappiest, lowest paying, uh, poorest working conditions job can take away your self-respect and your your identity. uh, you can take pride in whatever it is you've done, no matter the no matter uh, the degree of drudgery or how low you were on the totem pole. Um, and there's a great deal of satisfaction in that, no matter what profession you're in. Uh, if, on the other hand, uh, you're you don't give your best and you you don't uh, you are willing to settle for uh, just good enough, uh, that's going to follow you no matter where you go. If you let your circumstances dictate your attitude, uh, you're not going to escape that attitude uh, in EMS. Uh, you're going to find that that dogging you every profession you get into. Yeah, and I, I kind of like how that piggybacks to what you said before, is that if it's a character issue, uh, the way you're acting now is the way that you're going to be uh, you know, acting as you go into that next uh, profession. And finally, well, when yeah. you get what you're looking for, uh, you know, to be, to be terminated or be to remove from that position is, uh, you know, not where you want to be. Another one that I'll That's give right. you another tip. Char- character is character is how you behave when no one else is looking. Right. The other another tip I'll give you is the definition of leadership. And people will ask me this all the time or what's a good definition of leadership. And I believe that leadership is all about influence. If you can't influence mm-hmm. people, you can't lead them. But leadership is a verb. 
leadership is what you do. Leadership isn't yeah. who you are. It's not a position. It's not that you're an EMT. It's not that you're a supervisor. It's not that you're a chief. Leadership is about influence. So regardless of what position you have in the organization, you have the ability to influence someone every day. And I challenge you to influence someone every day. You know, you need to have that action you need to have that action word moving for you every day. And you need uh -huh. to try to influence people. Now, it may be influencing people with your knowledge. It may be influencing them with your practice of medicine. It may be influencing them with the way that you uh, are a role model. But you've got to be able to find ways to influence people. Because the, you know the question is always going to come up when you go to that interview for medical school or nursing school or for that fire job is, tell me how... You know, tell me about a time where you or explain to me how you would handle if you've not put yourself into those practical experiences to answer those questions. How are you going to be marketable? I think that one of the things that we forget, Kelly, is that we really have to be able to grow ourselves as professionals. Yeah. And I don't know that we're doing that well enough. And uh, I think we're missing the boat. I think we get I think we get trapped in the hierarchy and and lose sight of the fact that uh, exactly what you just stated, it doesn't take a white shirt to be a leader. Um, you can be a, a a thought leader and a peer leader and and a respected colleague and confidant and partner, uh, and there's pride in that. Uh, doesn't take a white shirt to do that. Leadership is just as you said. It's a it's a verb. Yeah, so it's. Uh, it's just what you said. It's an action word. It's a verb. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that we forget is that we think that, you know, and I think that's one of the, the challenges that we have with EMS leadership or EMS leaders is uh, another thing is that uh, from the leader side, and I know we're getting off topic a little bit, is, is the days of command and control and leading from positions of authority are over. Instead yeah, it's, of us, it's an age of servant leadership. Exactly. Right? Instead of being evaluators, we need to now start being, you know, now start to become coaches. But, but I, I don't want to gloss over what we're trying to talk about here because, in the absence of that, don't allow that lack of leadership or that lack of making things happen. You know, the people in those positions are 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 not making it an action word for you. Don't allow that to dictate who you're going to be as a professional. And I would really like to know, Kelly, from this show, the people who are out there, share those stories with us about, you mm -hmm. know, how you're going to, you know, uh, make the very, very best of who you are. You know, here's a and you and I were in Oklahoma and I brought this up in the lecture mm -hmm. of. If you know that pediatrics is one of your weaknesses, because I asked that question, if you recall, what's the number one call that gives the EMS provider the most trepidation? And everybody yelled it out. They said pediatrics. Uh -huh. So my question to you is, if you know that you have challenges in your care, if you know that you have challenges in your skills, if you know that you have challenges in your core knowledge, what are you doing to fix it? Yeah. What are you doing yeah. to make it better? And why are you, why are you falling back on you know, the deficit of that this is a weakness mm -hmm. for me. And, and you need to be able to make sure that you are growth-oriented. Don't be goal-oriented. Goal-oriented is where, you know, a goal happens and then you're done with it. But be growth-oriented. Grow every day and plan on growing mm -hmm. every day. So this way, when those positions come up of fire, of medical school, nursing school, you are prepared to make that happen for you. I agree 100%. You know, the if there's something that you're not good at, why does that not 
offend you that you're not good at it and drive you that's a great way to, to put it to, to master those those things i you know as a child man i was pathologically afraid of the dark when i'm talking afraid of the dark it, it it's not i need a night light on it's it's paralyzed with fear cannot function afraid of the dark um and i hated that uh how'd i get over it uh, i'm a very comfortable man in the dark now because i made myself face that fear I went out and purposely did things that scared the living daylights out of me uh, to convince myself that there was nothing to be afraid of. Right. Um, and the things that the the holes in my knowledge base now, uh, the more I, I, I uh, dig and, and try to fill those holes, uh, the more gaps I find. Uh, and it keeps me busy. You know, I, I, I think I'm pretty good at cardiology, but man, I'm no Tom Boothelay and I'm never going to be, but boy, you won't find me, uh, uh, slacking off and not trying to work hard at, at getting better at it. Uh, and in so doing, I'll be better than most of my peers. Um, that's a, that's the growth you were referring to. And there's right. always some aspect of your, of your skills, your knowledge, your personality that you can improve on. Right. Um, I think that's how we, we grow as uh, not just in the career field, but that's how we grow as human beings as well. Yeah. The knowledge that Tom Boothley has is amazing, but Tom didn't have that knowledge in the beginning. No, he, no, he, he grew he, that knowledge. He gained, so. Yeah. He here's, the that would, himself. here's the thing that would scare me. And you, you know, you talked about, it. I love how you said that you put yourself in positions of, of dealing with your fear. Fear is just the story that we tell ourselves, but here's what I'm afraid of. You were pathologically afraid of the dark. I'd be pathologically afraid of the light. If I saw you sitting naked in a beanbag chair, <laughs> eating Cheetos, drinking a shiner buck but you know besides <laughs> that i think it's time to put the reps on another show yeah yeah it is it's been a great discussion man and, and we'd like to know what you think um what kind of things do, do we do to promote our own professionalism what are the obstacles that we face uh in in growing as professionals and and being stewards of our our profession um and why doesn't ems aside from the obvious things like pay uh, why doesn't EMS attract more people and retain them in this field? Uh, let us know your comments, thoughts, concerns, and questions at the show at EMS1.com. And for myself and fellow professional EMS person, Chris Savalero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>